This is the SPE Live podcast, powered by the Society of Petroleum Engineers. You're listening to SPE Live. Interoperability is a key factor to better drilling automation. The audio from this episode was previously recorded on January 11th, 2023. And now your moderator, Deep Joshi. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the SPE Live on interoperability as a key factor to better drilling automation. My name is Deep Joshi. I'm a data scientist at Quantum Energy Partners. Today's SP Live will last 30 minutes. Drilling operations involve many different service providers, each addressing specific facets of the well construction process. In practice, the drilling in the drilling organization, including the support from onshore operation centers, addresses the coordination of various tasks executed by multiple entities. Yet, the natural fragmentation of drilling operation into multiple services has slowed down the implementation of drilling automation solutions because computer systems from each individual party are traditionally not designed to exchange information with the other systems. The SP Drilling System Automation Technical Section has therefore started an initiative to define standards for computer computer interoperability during the drilling process. This subcommittee called DVIS for which stands for Drilling and Wells Interoperability Standards. It's now my pleasure to introduce our guest. Eric Caillou is a Chief Scientist for for Drilling and Well Modeling Group at the Norwegian Research Center. He works with multidisciplinary solutions for well planning, real-time diagnostic of drilling operations, drilling automation, mathematical modeling of drilling processes and sensors. Caillou holds an MS degree in civil engineering from Lyon, France, an MS degree in software engineering from the University of Nice, France, and a PhD in petroleum engineering from this from the University of Stavanger, Norway. Caillou received an SP International Drilling Engineering Award in 2022. Eric, welcome to the SP Life. Thank you very much for this nice introduction. So, like, what are some of the common challenges associated with drilling operations? Well, <clears throat> there are actually uh, many different uh, challenges associated with uh, the automation of the drilling op- operations. And one of the m- most important background problem is the fact that uh, drilling operation is involving many different companies, and each of those companies is representing different disciplines. So, the setup of the companies uh, during the drilling operation changes as the well construction process evolve. So for example, you don't have the same companies when you are drilling, when you are running the casing and cementing and so so forth. So basically we have a constellation of different um, companies which is changing and uh, this makes the drilling process automation quite complex because of the changes that you have around that. Now each of those companies who are which are involving involved into the dream process uh, are not really used to exchange information um, and the coordination of uh, uh, between the different companies is mostly done by uh, the training org- organization itself so it's more like human centered so <clears throat> the existing system which exists for exchanging information are often proprietary and um, they are um, uh, they have targeted with specific implementation, and because of that, it's quite difficult to scale um, every single automation applications 
uh, across the industry because uh, you have the change of the different companies that you have in the different um, drilling operations. So we need also to recognize that uh, the drilling contractor has a very central position in the drilling operation since the driller is the one is, who is operating the drilling machines. And it has, of course, the responsibility of the drilling operation um, uh, in, in practice. Um, the, dr the driller is using the uh, drilling control system and uh, the drilling control system is mostly focused on um, uh, the drilling machine and not really on the drilling process. So it's quite important when we are trying to automate the drilling process that we inform the driller as much as we can about the uh, current situation so that we uh, help actually the uh, trailer understanding what is happening when we are running automation functions and and this is uh, an important concept in around um, uh, human in the loop for automation um, <clears throat> so we need to respect uh, the uh, notions of uh, separation of concerns and make sure that uh, the drilling contractor is um, uh, the, the, the central piece of the puzzle for uh, automation and the implementation because uh, they are uh, infinite, the one who are responsible for um, running the drilling machines. Yes. So you mentioned the uh, drilling processes and drilling machines both. How, are, how is controlling a drilling process different than just controlling with drilling machines? Mm. Yes, so if we look at uh, the, the drilling control system, uh, which exists uh, nowadays on uh, modern rigs, they are focused on controlling the drilling machines and making sure that we will have a safe operation of the machines. Uh, so what does that mean? That means that um, actually embedded into the drain control system. So we have some mechanisms for detecting faults and reacting to those faults. Uh, an example of this would be, for example, machine anti-collision. Uh, and you have also uh, um, implementation of uh, safe operating envelopes, like, for example, making sure that you will not exceed the um, uh, amount of power which is available for driving each of those machines. Um, but everything is focused on the machine. Um, now, the drain process is very different because it englobes, of course, the drain machine, but it also englobes also everything which is downhole. And what is downhole or the drain system completely is actually a very complex um, entity. Um, it's really important to understand that actually uh, a tree string and a wellbore is extremely slender. And because of this slenderness that we are talking, so we have uh, sm very small diameters compared to the lengths. That's what this slenderness means. Um, we have a lot of elasticity and compressibility of the system, both in terms of the string and the fluids. And that means that when we give a command on the machine, so there is very long reaction times. Now, the drillers, they, we've experienced, they get the gut feeling about these delays and limits that they need to work with. Um, and it's no um, only nowadays that actually we are capable of having a computer system which can integrate in real time this type of uh, estimation of the limits and thresholds so that you can avoid drilling incidents and optimize the drilling process. 
So uh, the problem with these calculations, uh, the computations that needs to be done, is that uh, they depend on many different uh, sources of information. And uh, these sources of information are spread amongst all those participants that I mentioned in, uh, in the previous question. Um, and therefore, there is a problem that the DCS, um, if it needs to implement automation, need to understand or to utilize the fact that we have a drilling process and not only the drilling machine. And at the same time, it is not necessarily having access to all the information which is necessary for calculating those limits and thresholds and optimization for the drilling procedures, for the operational procedures. So, um, it, it's important that actually that uh, um, this uh, drilling control system uh, can exploit information which is made available elsewhere. And that's why some of those uh, drilling control systems um, are um, accepting actually advice from external agents. So um, that's a new offer which has been available for a few years now that the drilling control system vendors started to provide the ability for external agents or algorithms or routines to configure uh, their own functionality um, from uh, external information. Um, <clears throat> so uh, with this being said, so it's uh, this new type of drilling control system are now classified as automatic drilling control system or ADCS. And the advantage of this new functionality is that um, experience um, uh, that more novice drillers can benefit of um, uh, functionalities which assist them during the drilling process and uh, render the process more safe and more efficient. Um, probably it doesn't compete with the best experienced drillers, but uh -huh. it may be an assistance for more novice, novice or standard drillers. What are some of the difficulties associated with uh, ex external agents communicating with the DCS? Yeah, so that's a, uh, a big problem because actually every DCS vendor has implemented its own way for being interfaced. So um, uh, that makes very difficult actually to external agents or provider of external agents to interface with the uh, different LECS. You need to reconnect for each of those different uh, solutions for interfacing. And then when you go to the rig site, so every rig is different. Even if you have a fleet of the same rigs, there are small nuances between each of those rigs. And you need to do a lot of work for adapting your uh, external agent solution for each of those different ADCS vendors, rig configurations, and even during the operation. So uh, the constellation of different actors may change and then you need to reconfigure everything. So it's, it's a lot of work. Um, <clears throat> so much time is used in uh, ad, uh, trying to adapt all these um, uh, functionalities for the different contexts. And that slows down statistically the uh, adoption of string automation across the industry. Uh, because that has a direct impact on um, uh, the cost for implementing automation. Uh, if you think about each ins installation of an external agent at the rig site, you will need to go through a, a factory acceptance test, a site acceptance test, and uh, a lot of um, 
many months of uh, engineering ahead of that to um, to provide a solution. So um, there is therefore this idea that uh, was born about uh, four, four or five years ago that actually there was a industry standard for interoperability at the rig side. Then we could have a kind of middleware which is placed between those external agents and the ADCS, which would render this communication as seamless as possible and therefore reduce the cost for installation of uh, automation functions. Now, what is important is when we build this middleware the, for the uh, interoperability, it, it should not be based on a kind of common denominator for the functionalities which exist on all ADCS, because then that would be very limited. Um, on the contrary, it needs to be very flexible and to accommodate for many solutions of which doesn't exist yet, it needs to think about the future. And, and this is what uh, one of the challenges that we have actually when we are trying to define an interoperability uh, layer is to make sure that we can both accommodate with the present, but also be um, uh, reliable for the future as well. And, and the reason is that uh, if we don't uh, account for this uh, future evolution, the standard will be always out of date and there is a risk that it would not be adopted um, because it will be delayed compared to the current functionalities which are made available um, in in um, in the industry. So, um, it, and and the, the last thing is that um, uh, an integrity architecture should be able to accommodate for uh, the multitude of different service providers that exist out there, and be able to sort out orchestrations so that you have. If you have multiple extenuations, you can sort out which functions need to be prioritized and, and how conflicts are resolved. Yes. So you mentioned the interoperability between DCS and external agents. What are some of the methods that are being investigated for achieving this interoperability objective? Yeah, so, so that's uh, what the, the work we have been doing um, in the Davis organization is, is basically to to use uh, actively this notion of capability description. Uh, so if you think about uh, uh, each ADCS, uh, it can describe in a computer readable format its capabilities. And then external agents can read those capabilities and adapt to the existing capabilities. So if we achieve that, that, that means that actually that uh, um, you don't need to recode or to recertify your external agents all the time because then you have something which is very flexible. Um, so the, the standard, um, uh, so the, 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 the standard is about being able to describe these capabilities, being able to um, provide the management of uh, uh, conflict resolutions and prioritization. And of course, we, we also pro try to provide example uh, that can make uh, of, of those capability description so that actually uh, uh, the life of implementers of extensions is as simple as possible. Now, um, need to realize also that most ADCS, and, and that goes back to the responsibility of the dream contractor, uh, about uh, for for the operation, they they have infinite the, 
the, the people who has the responsibility of the safety of the drink operation. Therefore, the functionalities which exist at the level of the ADCS are usually hard-coded and tested very, very seriously. Uh, and the only thing that they allow are uh, to be uh, configured for some parameters by those external agents. Um, and this is part of those very standard capabilities which, which can exist. Now, some most advanced, more advanced uh, ADCS um, can provide uh, even better functionalities, like, um, for example, the possibility to schedule new tasks on the fly. Um, and, and that is quite, quite nice because that um, means that actually that uh, you can have um, uh, relatively flexible ways of um, implementing automation with uh, this type of flexibility. But even if we have that, so if new tasks are um, pushed on uh, on the ADCS system, so we need to make sure that the end user, the driller, is capable of understanding what what is happening. And uh, for that, we need to push those tasks with a lot of context, so that actually uh, the driller can both accept and or reject the new tasks which are being pushed um, on uh, uh, on the uh, automation system. Um, <clears throat> so the, the design of um, uh, the um, architecture that um, we are putting together is really centered around this principle of separation of concern. So we have a, a hierarchical control and we, we need actually to, to make sure that uh, there are uh, each of the layers in this hierarchical control um, are not uh, interfering with each other, so that um, uh, actually we don't create um, uh, jamming situations uh, between the different um, uh, automation uh, functions with their respective uh, layers in the hierarchical control. Uh, in addition to that, so we have a kind of uh, cement for all these functionalities, which is uh, exchange of signals at the site, uh, which is based on um, a semantic description of each of the signals, which is computer interpretable, and therefore making sure that uh, any parties can read and uh, understand um, the signals which are made available, and therefore uh, um, you don't need to have a manual work for connecting to every signals which are made available at the uh, site uh, all the time. And that, that facilitates a lot, actually, the, the implementation for uh, drilling automation. Um, how is this uh, DVS's work on inter interoperability organized? Yeah, so, so it's a cross-industry cooperation, um, which is uh, a subcommittee of uh, uh, SPDSATS, Drilling uh, System Automation Technical Section. Um, and it's a very nice uh, setup. Uh, there are plenty of different uh, companies who are participating um, uh, to, to the effort. Uh, it's really active. Um, many meetings every weeks and a lot of participants who are really spending a lot of time helping getting this interoperability um, working together. Um, so, so one of the things we discovered at the start was actually uh, every of us working in this uh, Davis organization or Davis subcommittee um, had different backgrounds and, and actually we 
we were not uh, it was not easy to communicate with each other because maybe some words has different meanings depend, depending on the backgrounds that we had. So, so we spent some time to try to define a common glossary of concepts and put that together so that actually we, when we talk about the concept and everybody can agree that it is referring to this definition. Now, all these definitions and this art are put together into uh, 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 some web pages that you can find on uh, 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 a website which is called uh, d-vis.org. So uh, anyone who is listening to this uh, session uh, is encouraged to visit this site. Um, you, you will find a lot of information there. Um, otherwise, the uh, the, the um, subcommittee is organized with four different work streams while working on different uh, aspects of the problem of interoperability. So one work stream is uh, called drink process protection and address the problems of uh, um, how to interoperate with uh, full detection, isolation, recovery functionalities, with uh, safe operating envelope functionalities, with feedback controllers, with standard procedures. Uh, we have also another work stream working on the ADCS interface, uh, which is proposing uh, an interface to um, uh, the automated uh, drain control system technology layer uh, of the drilling rig. And we have a, a third uh, um, work stream, which is working on the reference architecture, architecture and uh, which is especially working on the um, uh, prioritization of different uh, requests and the orchestration of the different advice. And uh, we have a fourth one, fourth work stream, which is working on uh, exchanging training data through a hub where uh, the meaning of the uh, signals is described using a method called uh, semantic network. And which means that actually the, the computer systems can interpret the meaning of the information which is exchanged. So the, the, right now we are focusing on preparing some demonstrations on how all these pieces are working together. Um, we start with uh, the simplest one we could thought about, and that's uh, uh, how we can have uh, ROP optimization system um, working with uh, many different types of scenarios for the ADCS. And then we will go to more and more complex uh, situations or scenarios, like for example, a generic uh, downlinking system to download tools, and then uh, simpler and complex pump startup procedures, and, and so on and so forth. So, and I really encourage everyone who is interested in that topic to join. You can do that by visiting this uh, website, uh, d-vis.org, and you can uh, uh, register and say that you are interested and you can, uh, if you want to join. So the more people, the better it is for the community. Eric, all the work you described uh, from DVS sounds really, really fascinating. The, so is the goal for this work to replace existing standards with SML or work alongside it? No, it's really to work alongside. Uh, so with SML has uh, its own purpose and it's very well developed. Um, so we, we try to supplement the work from its, with SML. Um, and uh, we're really focused on this interoperability with the uh, training control system or the ADCS with the automated training control system. Uh, and, and that's really working aside, 
alongside uh, other standards. And, and when standards are already existing, so we use them. So, for example, um, OPC UA is uh, one of the things that we are adopting uh, for for this, as it's uh, uh, a suitable um, way of uh, exchanging information for at the site. What are some of the common roadblocks you've seen in uh, implementing interoperability to um, in the industry wide? Well, uh, there are many roadblocks possible. <laughs> uh, the um, the first thing is that uh, if um, it is um, if the standard is not adapted to the um, to the requirements of the end user, that would not be adopted. Um, they, so that really need to think about uh, practicality so that it is uh, useful. Uh, the other thing is uh, is that if the standard is always one year behind what the industry is doing, then it will not be adopted either. Um, so we need to be really flexible when it will have a standard, which means that when it is installed, you can stay with it for many years without having to uh, to um, uh, to uh, enhance or to make a new revision of the standard. So the longer the, uh, the time between revisions, the better it is for uh, the standard to be a, a good standard. Uh, now we'll take a couple of questions from LinkedIn. The first question is, can the, you mentioned you'd uh, you mentioned the communication between drilling machine control system and external applications. Can you please explain more about this? Um, <clears throat> yes. So, uh, so, so basically, the um, the ADCS uh, or different ADCS may have different uh, interfaces which are made available for external parties to communicate with, with them. And usually, since terms of um, parameters for functions which exist um, inside the ADCS. Now, um, we put an additional layer in between, which um, contains this capability description and which indicates, um, and this capability description indicates where these parameters are uh, made available and how to access them. Uh, so the external application or the external uh, agent can read these capabilities and utilize this capabilities description to uh, find what it should send and how to send it actually to the uh, uh, to the ADCS. And, and there is a two-way communication. So the ADCS also can communicate some feedback about when the function is turned on, when it's turned off, when it's ready, and so on and so forth. And this also is described in the capability description. And the um, external version can read this information and utilize that for um, the way it, it can communicate. Uh, another, we'll take another question from LinkedIn. How risky is the new automation system compared to conventional training systems? Yeah. Uh, hmm. That can be risky, of course. It's uh, that, um, but I would say that um, in many cases, actually, the uh, training automation functionalities, um, instead of increasing the risk, are decreasing the risk. So 
they can help actually detect situations uh, and react upon those situations very quickly, much faster than a drill driller. So I will take an example from um, detections of, for example, pack-off or uh, overpools or um, overtorques and things like that. And um, so the um, automation system can really detect those things in, in just a fraction of a second or, or a few seconds and and act upon that. And, and we have seen in many cases actually that when this type of functionality are implemented um, uh, at the rig site, they, they do trigger quite a lot and, and most often actually much faster than what the trigger could do. Um, so they are really helpful, uh, not, not, not necessarily uh, increasing the risk, but uh, assisting the uh, trailer. I, I think that's the key word. And, and when I, I've been working with development of such functionalities uh, and I've talked to the trailer, I, I try to, to, to explain to them the point is not to replace them, but actually to assist them. And, and that was really important for them. And, and they really, and, um, take that as, um, as an important fact that uh, this is fundamentally an assistance for them. Thanks a lot, Eric. Thanks. Thanks for the discussion. With that, conclude this uh, uh, SPE Live. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the SPE Live podcast. For more content, visit the SPE Energy Stream, the industry's digital pulse at streaming.spe.org. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and review. Join us next time on the SPE Live podcast.